Let's pray before we look at God's word. Father, to think that your eternal son would take on human flesh and be that little baby who needed a pacifier, and yet at the same time, he's the sovereign God and the king of the universe. Direct our hearts to him now as we look at your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever get tired of bullies? Do you hate to get pushed around by people? Do you get tired of people telling you what to do and what to believe, what you can or can't believe, what you should or shouldn't believe? I do. The world has always had bullies. The world has always had people who like to boss other people around. These people are mean. And they will hurt you. These people are intolerant. It's like the movie A Christmas Story. No doubt some of you will watch it tomorrow as it's on its 24-hour loop on cable TV. You know the movie, yes. It's the one where Ralphie wants the BB gun for Christmas. I want an official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock in this thing which tells time. That's all Ralphie wanted for Christmas. And what did every adult tell Ralphie? You'll shoot your eye out. But Ralphie wasn't just being bullied around by those adults who seemed to be able to predict what would happen to Ralphie if he did get said Red Ryder BB gun. Ralphie was also being bullied by someone else. Ralphie, along with his brother Randy and two of his friends, were also being bullied by two very mean kids, Scut Farkas and Grover Dill. If you've seen the movie, maybe you remember the scene where they encounter these two bullies in the alleyway. Ralphie, as an adult, is narrating and telling us about the, the event as it plays out on the screen. And he says, Scut Farkas... Scud Farkas, what a rotten name. We were trapped. There he stood between us and the alley. Scud Farkas, staring out at us with his yellow eyes. He had yellow eyes. So help me God, yellow eyes. And Grover Deal, Farkas's crummy little toady. Mean, rotten, his lips curled over his green teeth. Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. In our world, you are either a bully, a toady, or one of the nameless rabble of victims. It's one of my favorite movies, and it's the perfect picture of what was happening to the people of God when the prophet Micah started preaching on every street corner. Times were tough, and there were plenty of bullies in the world, but God was still speaking to his people, his people that he loved. And that's why God sent the prophet Micah to encourage his people. God wanted to tell his people that even though they were being bullied by all of the scut farcuses on the ancient Near Eastern landscape, he still loved them and still had a plan of redemption. Even though part of Micah's message was a message of judgment because Israel had turned away from the Lord, he sent Micah still with a message of hope to say, I love you. And I have a plan for you, even though you're being bullied by other nations. So God sent Micah 
to preach to God's people. And here's how his prophecy begins. In Micah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, we don't know much about the prophet Micah, but we do know that there were a lot of bullies around at the time when he was prophesying. Now, how do we know that? We know that because Micah preached during the reigns of three kings, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So this is roughly about 740 B.C. to about 700 B.C. when Micah is going around Israel and preaching. Now, the names of those three Israelite kings, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, may not mean much to you, but to a student of Old Testament history, when they hear those three names of those three Israelite kings, and they understand that those were the kings who were in charge when Micah was prophesying, then they know automatically there were a lot of bullies around putting pressure on Israel, namely Assyria being the biggest one. In short, Micah preached and prophesied during very fearful times. The three kings that are mentioned here tip us off to that. But what about Micah? What do we know about the prophet Micah? Not much. All we get about the prophet Micah is his postal address. We know where he lives. That's about all he get, we get from him. He was from Morasheth. That's all the information that we get on this preacher. It's kind of refreshing to only get that tidbit of information about a preacher because preachers nowadays like to brag I like to do what is called a humble brag. If you follow any famous preachers on Twitter, you might hear them say things like this. I'm humbled to speak six times this weekend to a crowd of 20,000. <laughs> Why not just say, I'm preaching somewhere this weekend. Would you pray for me? Instead of saying, I'm humbled to speak to 20,000 people. It's called a humble brag. Preachers nowadays will retweet compliments that they get from people on Twitter. So somebody says, I loved your message last night. Preachers nowadays will hit retweet and let me tell everybody that follows me about how great my sermon was last night. Preachers brag on their ministries, how large their churches are, how many books they've written, but not Micah. He just tells us where he's from. That's refreshing for this preacher. Hi. I'm Micah from Morasheth. All we know about Micah is where he's from and that he preached during some very fearful times when other nations hated the people of God and were bullying the people of God. I like what the reformer John Calvin said about Micah and how we should be grateful that we have his sermons recorded in God's word. John Calvin says, Thus, what took Micah some 38 to 40 years to preach, we can read within an hour. How immense our ingratitude then, if, seeing that Micah labored all of his life to exhort the people of his era, and that God has so graciously provided such a brief summary of his teachings for us, that we should fail to esteem them or neglect to cast our eyes upon them. John Calvin is saying how ungrateful that Micah labored for 40 years preaching, trying to encourage the people of God. And 
we don't even read his sermons that are recorded in the book of Micah. Here's what John Calvin is saying. How ungrateful we are to God and his word when we lap up Hollywood magazines like People and Us and Rolling Stone and Sports Illustrated and we neglect the book of Micah. It only takes about an hour to read the book. And yet, many of us know nothing about it, but we can name all of the characters on Duck Dynasty. (laughs) Willie, Phil, Miss Kay, Uncle Cy. I don't know all of them. I've seen the show many times. I still don't know all of their names. But that doesn't get me off the hook. I'm not off the hook because I don't know everything about Duck Dynasty or because I haven't been keeping up with the Kardashians. I know lots of pointless information more than I do know God's word. Like what kind of pointless information, Pastor Benji? Well, that Christian Nyby in Hollingsworth Morse directed many episodes of Adam 12. Did you know that? I know that. Did you know that the drummer for 60s sunshine pop band, The Yellow Balloon, was one of the sons that was on the TV show, My Three Sons? You probably didn't know that, but I knew that. It interests me. The theme song to The Brady Bunch was arranged and recorded by another sunshine pop band of the 60s called The Peppermint Trolley Company. Anybody remember them? I know that. I like them. And then later, the studio brought in other singers to record over the vocal tracks of the Peppermint Trolley Company. That's something I know. I know that Burgess Meredith starred in four episodes of The Twilight Zone. All of that is pointless information that I find interesting. Mundane information that I find interesting. Insignificant information that I am passionate about. And yet, the prophet Micah labored for 40 years, and I can read a summary of his sermons in one hour, and yet sometimes I take more joy in 60s TV shows and 60s bands. We need to listen. I need to listen to Micah. We need to listen to Micah because what he says is just what we need to hear today. He's way more hip and way more current than Uncle Cy or Beyonce. And here's why. In the middle of his book, his collection of sermons, he says this in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. 
and he shall be their peace. Micah is prophesying. Micah is roaming the streets of Israel and Judah, preaching and telling them of a time when all the bullies of the ancient Near East are going to show up on their doorsteps. And he says, you better get ready and muster your troops because all the bullies of the ancient Near East are going to show up on your doorstep, ring your doorbell, and when you answer the door, they're going to grab you by the collar, they're going to throw you on the ground, they're going to yank your arm behind your back, and they're going to say, cry uncle, cry uncle. But Micah tells the people of God that even though that is going to happen to them, that a hero will come flying in to save the day. And where will this hero come from? From Bethlehem. That may not strike you as odd, as shocking, but it would be like saying that a hero would come out of Bakersfield. Sorry if that offends you, but the way I've heard everybody around here talk about Bakersfield, it was the best city that I could come up with. Can anything good come out of Bakersfield? That's the impression that I get of Bakersfield from the way you people talk about Bakersfield around here. So haters don't hate on me. I'm from a very small town myself in Oklahoma, Salisaw, French word for salty meat. Population 4,888 when I grew up. So I know what Micah is saying when he mentions Bethlehem. He's saying that Israel's Messiah, Israel's Savior, Israel's Redeemer is going to come from the podunk town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was a rinky-dink, backwoods, podunk town. It was small. It was insignificant. In fact, when Joshua lists all of the towns that were to be allotted to Judah as they were coming into the promised land, Bethlehem is not even mentioned in the list. That's how insignificant it was. You wouldn't go there. And from this podunk town of Bethlehem would come Jesus the Redeemer, the King of the universe. Isn't that how God works Isn't he prone to choose the obscure, the insignificant, the common, the lowly, the unnoticed, the losers and freaks of this world, and use them as the instruments through which he displays his glory? You gotta love a God like that. You gotta love a God who says, even though my people will have their back against the wall, I will raise up a hero, I will raise up a redeemer, I will raise up the Messiah, and I'll let him trace his roots all the way back to that backwoods, redneck, podunk town of Bethlehem. You gotta love a God who thinks that way. And what does Micah say that Jesus will do? In verses four or five, 4 through 5a, he says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. The hero from Nobodyville, the redeemer from small town Israel, will stand and shepherd his flock. His people. His people will dwell secure because he will be great to the ends of the earth. 
He will be their peace. Micah is talking about Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, the sweet little baby boy who was born into this world. And why did Jesus come? He came to save us from our sin. He came to be our shepherd. He lived the life that we could never live because we're sinners. We're all sinners. Every single one of us are broken because of Adam's sin, rebels at heart. Jesus came to live the life, the perfect life that God demands of every human being. He came to live the life that we could never live because we're sinners. We can't live the perfect life that God demands. And Jesus came to die the death that we all deserve because we are all sinners. We've all told God, no thank you. I want to live my way. I want to do things my way. Live for my pleasure. I know this is your word. I know you have a standard. It's perfection. No thank you. We've all said that to God. We're born that way as sinners. And that's why Jesus came. Ultimately, he came to save us from the wrath of a holy God. Because God has to punish sin. He's not going to let it slide by. His holy wrath, like a laser beam, squarely sits on every human being born into this world. And unless they repent and say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry I've lived for myself. I trust in Jesus. Unless they do that, they'll spend eternity in hell being punished for their sin and their rebellion forever. But God is so merciful and gracious and loving. He offers amnesty to rebels like us right now. I'll forgive you. I'll welcome you into my family. I'll give you Jesus' perfect life. He'll take your sin. He goes to the cross for you. I'll pour my wrath out on him. Come and be my son. Come and be my daughter. That's the gospel. But he can't be your savior unless you repent and trust in his life, death, and resurrection. Will you do that tonight? You can. You can leave here being made right with the holy God of the universe. If you have done that, I want to encourage you believers tonight. Micah's collection of sermons are just what we need this Christmas. Because we live in fearful times just like Micah. There are bullies in this world telling us what we can and can't say, what we can and can't believe. You can't say that about marriage. You can't say that about homosexuality. That's wrong. We have bullies in this world trying to tell us what we can and can't believe and what we can and can't say. Our back's against the wall, if you will. And yet God is still working in this world. And who is he using God is using weak, insignificant people like you and like me to extend his kingdom in this world. you got to love a God who thinks like that. Bethlehem was a podunk, ordinary town that God promised a Messiah and Savior would come from. This promise of a redneck podunk town producing the king of the universe stood in contrast to the successful bullying kingdoms of the world who were seemingly in control in Israel's day. Eventually, Assyria would later pummel Israel. And yet God says, I'm going to raise up a redeemer from a podunk town and he will rescue you. So this Christmas Eve, listen to this preacher and listen to the preacher Micah 
God uses the ordinary, the bland, the insignificant, the common, the lowly, the unnoticed, the mundane, non-exciting people to extend his kingdom in this world. So don't be afraid this Christmas. We live in scary times like Micah, where the world hates the people of God, where the world hates God. So don't worry about the state of our country this Christmas. Don't worry about what is going to happen to us. God's people are still here after all these years. Micah was prophesying in 740 to 700 BC to God's people, and they're still here today. We're still here today. After all the kingdoms of this world have come on the scene and threatened the people of God, well, guess what? We're still here. Where are they? They're gone. Where's Assyria? Gone. Where's Babylon? Gone. Where's Rome? Gone. Guess who's still here? The church, the people of God, weak, frail, insignificant, lowly, common people. God's people stay put on the scene of history when everybody else vanishes. And he uses his people, the small, insignificant lot that we are, to extend his kingdom and to showcase his glory in this world. And that's what life is about. It's about God's glory, which is why Micah says in verse 2 that this Savior, this Messiah, Jesus, will be for me. God says he will be for me, which is a reminder to us that we exist for God, for his glory. We were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why you were made that's why you have a spleen. Doctors, we don't really know what the spleen does, but let me tell you why you have a spleen, so that you can glorify and enjoy God with your spleen. That's why you were made, to honor him, to glorify him, to delight in him, to treasure him above all things, and to enjoy him. So don't stress over the way things are right now. Don't get all worked up because of what you hear on the news or what you see on TV, or what everybody has been talking about on Facebook the last week. And if you're on Facebook, you know what everybody has been talking about on Facebook. has something to do with a guy with a long beard. And it's not Santa Claus, by the way. Don't stress over the fact that some redneck from Louisiana got fired from a reality show. Why? Because the king of the universe, Jesus Christ, came from a redneck town in Israel. And he's the one who is in charge right now. So don't fear because he's got it all under control. You just keep reading this book. You just keep reading his word. Because as God was speaking to his people in Micah's day, God still speaks to us in our day through his word. And he still speaks to us through a book like Micah. So just keep getting hope and peace from God's word this Christmas. Let his word, his voice, drown out all the other voices in your head. Let him give you peace. Micah said, Jesus is our peace. And when you forget that or you doubt that, and that'll happen, it'll happen to you, it'll happen to me. When we forget that, that he is our peace, and when we doubt that, Turn off the TV, quit reading the newspaper, 
Stop reading all the rants on Facebook about Duck Dynasty and start reading the sermons by a preacher named Micah. Why? Because Micah won't point you to a redneck reality star. He'll point you to Jesus, the king of the universe, who just so happens to come from a redneck redneck podunk town in Israel. Let's pray. Father, we marvel that you still speak to us today even through this prophecy, this collection of sermons that is so old and yet it stood the test of time because you stand the test of time. Many kingdoms have come and gone but your people are still here. We marvel that you use insignificant, lowly, common, bland, mundane, ordinary people like us to extend your kingdom in this world and to showcase your glory. May we do that this Christmas season and rest in the truth that Jesus is our peace. In his name, amen.